We are coming to the end of our series, Rooted, and uh, this, this morning we're kind of coming to the end of this idea of reaching the world, that we've been on this journey together from loving God, connecting with others, and now we are coming to the end of reaching the world. And next week we're going to kind of wrap all of this up together. But this is, uh, for a lot of our groups this morning, this is your last small group when it comes to Rooted. Um, but we are so excited about what God has to share this morning. You know, the last few weeks together, we've talked about uh, the idea of reaching the world through ministry and through mission. And just for kind of a review, in case you were missing the last week or so, ministry takes place within the church with the goal of equipping the saint to a full maturity. That what we're doing here together, we are, our goal is that we are equipping one another, equipping you to be the mature Christ follower that God desires you to be. That's ministry. Mission takes place outside of the church with the goal of saving the sinner from a cursed eternity. So outside of these walls, it really is. It's about others. It's about lostness. It's about hopelessness all over our county and all over the world. And this is God's desire. This is God's desire for the entire world. I love Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.14 says this, and it's going to be on the screen. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I love this prophecy. What, what Habakkuk is saying here is there is coming a day where the earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. And what is amazing about that is God chooses to use us. He chooses to use us to carry that glory to the nations, to carry that glory to the dark parts of Shelby and Cleveland County and all over the world. And we get the privilege to be a part of that. God desires this for us. And the question we kind of left last week with is, so why sit here until we die? Why sit here until we die? Why not make the most of what God desires in and through us? And this morning, I want to talk about it from the context of this. What kind of legacy are you leaving to the next generation that's coming? I said this a few weeks ago, but parents, you know, most of us are not going to leave. Most grandparents and parents, we're not going to be leaving a giant, lavish inheritance, right? I mean, for most of us in this room, that's not very practical. But here's the truth. Every single person in this room, you will leave a personal legacy. And the question is, what does that legacy look like? What is it about? You know, most of us, we, we want a healthy work ethic for our family. I mean, I think that's for a lot of us. You know, I think about the things I want for my boys. And I, I, one of those things is, you know, just a healthy work ethic. Somebody who's not afraid to work, who's not afraid to do tough and difficult things at times. And, and for a lot of us, we had that. But what does our ethic look like when it comes to ministry and mission? Do our kids, do our grandkids, are the people under us, all these kids that were just in here a minute ago, are they catching the vision of God, this vision from Habakkuk? Are they catching that through the way that we live our lives? Psalm 127, I want to show you this verse. It's, it's uh, here on the screen, 127, 3 through 5, says this. Behold, children are like a heritage from, or are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Verse 4. 
Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Now, this is the classic Hobby Lobby sign. You know what I'm talking about? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? You go into Hobby Lobby, some of you, you have your houses filled with things like this. You know, these signs that have these awesome verses on it. That's one of them, right? Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. But think about the power of this verse. This, this verse is in our house. It's on a sign in, in our house. Think about the power of this verse. Our children, the next generation, are like arrows waiting to be sent out to do great damage to the kingdom of darkness. Now think about what it takes for an arrow to be effective. It takes the skill of the archer to know how to pull the bow back, when to release the bow, and how to aim the bow. But it's not just that skill, right? The archer also has to be skilled in knowing how to craft an arrow that is going to shoot straight, that is going to be steady and true. You see, children who are sent out on mission, it doesn't just happen through haphazard circumstances. No, there has to be an intentional crafting and the question is, what are we doing as parents, as grandparents, as singles to craft the next generation? Verse 5, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Another translation for this said this, or a paraphrase says this. Your enemies don't stand a chance. That the power of darkness doesn't stand a chance against a person that is filled with the Spirit of God on mission for God. And the question is, do we get this? Do we really believe God wants to use us to pierce the kingdom of darkness? You know, this is more than just a question for parents and grandparents. There's, this is a question for singles in the room, for students in the room. How is God using you to impact the next generation? Are you thinking about the legacy that you're going to live. And so this morning, that's the question that we want to answer. And we're answering this really through the context of two things. One being the Word of God, that we don't want anything that's said from stage to just be opinion. We want it to be centered and grounded in the Word of God. So that's one way that we want to answer this question this morning. But there's a secondary way, and it's a great way that God's given us. Through the power of testimony, through the power of what God has done in the lives of other people here in our body. And the power of testimony is just something that has dated back all the way to the first century church. That the church would hear from other people in the congregation. Not just the pastor, not just the leader, but other people in the congregation, in the assembly, would testify of God's goodness in their lives. And it would challenge and it would encourage the believers. And so this morning, this is what we want to do. And we've had two other opportunities for this. And this is our last opportunity together like this. But I want us, if we could, to just go ahead and invite Jesus into our time here. He's already here with us. But right, maybe right now for you, maybe it's the idea of him focusing your heart for what he wants to say this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment together. Lord, we thank you, God, that we have this time to just not only hear from your word, Lord, but to hear 
the stories of others, to hear that and be encouraged and maybe even challenged by what we hear this morning, God. We thank you that there is power in our story and what you're doing in our lives. So God, help everything to be said this morning. Glorify you, Lord, and and help us not to, to just dwell on the mistakes and the failures, but to recognize your victory in all of this in our lives. Father, we thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is our last time together doing this, and I wanted to just take a moment to introduce uh, the couples here on stage. To my left, uh, your right, is my friend Kevin Merritt, Kevin and Alexis Merritt, and uh, Kevin works at safety, t- I-, I never get this right, safety tests and and equipment, thank you. There's always the and equipment part in there that I got to remember. Safety test and equipment. Um, he's also a connect leader. Both of them are connect leaders. We're actually missing the group right now, but they're connect leaders here in the church. They're involved in warehouse ministry. Kevin, you've been a deacon before here at our church. Um, and you also currently serve on the missions council here uh, at our church. And they have three children. They have Lucy, Abigail, and Caitlin, I went out of order. Lucy, Caitlin, and Abigail in, in age there. Uh, but we have the merits here with us this morning. And then we also have here on the far side over here is Dalton and Katie Kendrick. And they, uh, actually Dalton is an underground lineman. And Katie is an office manager at uh, Champion Investments here in town. And uh, they actually grew up right here at the church. They grew up right here in our student ministry. You were in Awana uh, Dalton a long time ago, um, and uh, Katie, I can't remember, were you in Awana too? You were in Awana too, sorry, I didn't mean to leave you out there. Uh, but this is Katie and Dalton, and they're very active in our church, they've been active in ministry for a long time, interns in student ministry, and, uh, and they're still very active in student ministry, and you guys have been married for six months, right? Six months. Um, so we wanted to get you guys on stage to kind of give us the young married perspective this morning and even the single perspective. Um, and then, uh, usually my wife sits here beside me, <laughs> but she got bumped this morning from, uh, from Maynard Ledford. Uh, he's our current chairman of Deacons. Uh, he worked here in Shelby, grew up in Shelby, uh, pretty much his entire life and, uh, worked at Dicey Mill. He was the plant manager at Dicey Mill and, uh, and he's been a part of our church, get this, for 58 years. We figured this out the other day. 58 years. Uh, yeah. Been a part of our church. Been involved in ministry in many different areas. We're going to talk about some of that today. And he is married to Deanna uh, and has a son, Mike or Michael. And then his granddaughter, Aaliyah, which Aaliyah was standing right here. She led uh, one of our songs this morning. She's very active in ministry. And uh, we're just excited to have all of you guys with us this morning uh, to talk. And I want to start the same way we talk every, start every morning about our family trees. And so Katie and Dalton, I'm going to let you guys go first. Tell us a little bit about your family tree. Yeah, so for me, um, I grew up in a very Christian household. Um, my parents are together. They've been married for 21 years. Um, we were always very active in church. We've been at this church since I was five. And before that, we were at a bunch of different ones. Um, But something with my parents is that they were very intentional about bringing church home. So church wasn't just a Sunday and Wednesday thing. It was something that they brought home. We had a lot of conversations about what we were learning in church, what we were going through. Um, They were very involved in our spiritual growth and development. And 
just very involved in our life. I, they were kind of like helicopter parents, kind of, <laughs> but it, like in a good way. They were very, very involved in what we were doing. And I really learned um, what it means and what it looks like to serve through them. Because I remember from a very young age, them taking us with them to do service projects and neighborhoods. And um, those are some of my earliest memories. But that's the big thing with my family was they were very big in serving. Yeah. Dalton, what about you? So my family tree looks a lot different. Um, my house is a divided household. My parents got divorced when I was eight. So it was just me and my mom for the majority of my childhood, but also my grandparents played a humongous role in uh, parenting me, and they kind of showed me more of how a godly-ish marriage looked like. But my mom did a great job as a single mom of bringing me to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, but that's just kind of where it stayed. We didn't bring it home like Katie's family did, so it was just kind of more of a church-stays-at-church type of thing. Yeah, Kevin Alexis, what about you guys? Tell us a little bit about your family tree. So I grew up here in Shelby um, with parents. We were, I was involved in the Catholic Church, um, and my parents loved and supported me through a lot of things and um, really encouraged me to serve um, from a very young age. They're very service-oriented. Um, but I became a Christian uh, through a trip in, uh, with Young Life at the age of 18, and at that point, I realized um, that the service wasn't anymore just something that we did because that's the nice thing to do, but I really felt like the Lord really worked in my heart and helped me to realize that ministry and mission um, just became impactful for people around me because um, their eternity was at stake, and it was because of people who um, saw that and saw that need that I had in my life um, that allowed me to come to know Jesus. So I really felt like the Lord started working at uh, working in my heart about that age, uh, just to serve because their eternity's at stake. Mm. So, Amen. so I grew up in a Baptist church here in town. I've been in Cleveland County since I was in fourth grade. I uh, went to a Baptist school in Florida where I was born. Before that, um, my my family has roots deep in ministry. My dad was a youth pastor at one point in time. Um, he ran two summer camps, summer youth camps uh, throughout North Carolina at one point in time. I think I was in fourth or fifth grade when I started serving in the local church there uh, at Popper Springs where it was. We had Wednesday night uh, suppers, so I'd pass out cookies, you know. So I'd eat cookies and pass out cookies and eat cookies and pass out cookies. <laughs> and so, you know, that, it was a good time as a kid for sure. Um, I was in the handbell choir, you know, did all the fun things as a child would. So definitely a lot of deep roots in the church and in serving. Yeah, awesome. Crystal, I mean Maynard, <laughs> you, you want to share with us? Sure. <laughs> uh, as I grew up uh, as a boy, my father was an alcoholic and uh, he didn't go to church. My mother t took us to church, made sure we went every week, every Sunday. And uh, then as uh, I met Deanna in high school, we got married at an early age. She was 17 and I was 19. Can you imagine if a boy come to your house now and wanted to marry your 17-year-old daughter, what would you say? <laughs> so we, we got married. Uh, we, we had been in church most of our lives, but uh, when we first got married, we dropped out of church a little bit. And uh, then uh, Michael was born three years later, and uh, we decided that we need to get involved in church. And it's funny uh, how we got here. Uh, uh, we didn't. We were Methodists at that time, and uh, we didn't know where to go. So I asked a friend of mine. I said, uh, "Where's a good church in the area?" And he 
told me, he said, well, you know, I don't go to church, but if, if I was going, I'd go over here to Putnam. So, <laughs> so that's how we chose Putnam. And uh, we've been here, what, 58 years now, I believe. So uh, we, uh, we had then had Michael, and uh, Michael started coming to church here in this uh, only church he's ever been to. And then uh, he and Tracy had Aaliyah, and uh, Aaliyah came to church when she was five days old. And that's the only church she's been to. So my whole family's pretty much been raised in this church. Amen. You know, Maynard, I want to kind of start with you this morning. Uh, you've been a part of this church for longer than almost everyone here. Not everyone, but almost everyone and active. In fact, we have a picture, uh, one of the oldest pictures we can find. Uh, it's hard to catch him, but he's in the bottom left corner right here on the front row. The bottom left all the way over, that's Maynard. Uh, here at the groundbreaking of uh, the children's sanctuary, which or a children's building, which actually used to be the old sanctuary. This is 1970, I believe, is when this picture was taken. Somewhere close to that. So this is Maynard right here. And Maynard, I wanted to start this morning. We could talk about this all day, but obviously we don't have time for that. Give us just a few of the highlights of serving in ministry here at Pleasant City. Okay, I can remember early in the years. And I can remember uh, uh, specifically one Sunday when there, there were only 50 people here. Uh, like every other church, we had ups and downs, but uh, with only 50 people, and you look at what, what's here now. But uh, uh, we started small, and when, when we first came here, there was only the children's education part, the long building that goes across that way. But uh, I've got to see uh, the, the church sanctuary, I got to see the additions onto the church sanctuary where we put wings on it. Uh, I got to see the gymnasium built where we're at here. Uh, I got to see, uh, and by the way, if you take this carpet up, the gym floor is still under it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, 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 it turned into a good thing. I, I remember when we moved from the children's church and put the sanctuary down here. I've got, I've got to see the, uh, the youth center down here, the warehouse. I've got to see it built, so... I've been involved in a lot of things over the years. Uh, I remember one time in particular when we first had the, just a sanctuary up at the front, the first sanctuary, and the, and the church was landlocked. We didn't have property on this side. We didn't have property on that side, and, and, and none in the back. So uh, I, I, Larry Marsh was here at, at the time, and I remember I was going with him every week, and, and we would have a prayer time, and... Uh, we uh, we we were t Ms. Lynn lived on this side of the church, and uh, uh, the land over here, uh, the man f was farming it and had had a garden on it, and uh, we tried to buy that, but we we were told we couldn't buy it. Uh, Ms. Lynn's house was there; she's living in it. So, Larry told me one one day he said, uh, "Let's just go over here and claim this property." So uh, we I said, "Okay." So we went over there, and for seven weeks, we would walk around that property for six weeks. On the seventh week, we, were all, we walked around it seven times. Lo and behold, about the next week, Ms. Lynn's property became available to the church. And then in just a few weeks, that property became available. We uh, 
we got with a man, I believe his name was Alala, who owned this property back here, and he showed us where there was a shopping center drawn on paper for this land, and, and we had an interest in buying it. And at that time, uh, just, just like the history of this church, we've never had any money. So <laughs> our, 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 our preachers have done a good job of spending whatever money we brought in. <laughs> it's all for the kingdom, man. <laughs> but uh, I, I remember when uh, we didn't have the money to do it, so the church members loaned the church money interest-free to buy that property. And, and, you know, most all the members, once it was started, they just gave that church money. So that's how we bought this property back here. So we wound up with property there, there, and here, and then later added on to it. But uh, let me see. You've overseen, I can help you with some of this, you've overseen three pastor search committees. The last three right. search committees, you've overseen those. Yeah, I'll tell you a little story about when Brian came. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, he, was, uh, he had done graduated up to assistant pastor at that time. And uh, Larry Morris was having health problems. And uh, he, he resigned from the church. And at that time, I was chairman of deacons. And uh, we had a committee that met. And I, uh, I went to Brian and I said, uh, Brian, uh, you, know, you know Larry's uh, leaving now and, and the church needs to be stabilized for a while. I said, would you uh, consider... Uh, being our interim pastor, at least until we secure a, a permanent pastor. Now, little did I know at that time, or little did the church know at that time, but he was dealing with another. He was dealing with another church. And, and if I'm not mistaken, it was Mount Zion out down here. And uh, he said, I'll talk to Tina. So he did, and he came back, and, and they agreed to do that. Now, uh, we, were going, we had a search committee, and, and we were going out to look for a pastor, but, but we never went anywhere. We never interviewed anybody because we knew that Brian was the one. You know, he had started preaching some men, and and uh, he was already getting better at preaching than Larry was because Larry was having health problems. But we didn't want to tell him how good he was because <laughs> we were afraid he'd get gone. But <laughs> but uh, he, we, the search media called him. And uh, you know the rest of the story. You, you've, you've seen it unfold in front of your eyes. So, uh, and Maynard, I want to share a few of these things just because uh, I want to give some more time here. You've led through some of the most difficult changes here at Pleasant City. Changing the gym to a worship center. Changing the old sanctuary to a children's center. Changing the name of our church. Led on three pastor search committees. Oversaw Every building on our campus, you are part of that, those building committees. Um, and you've seen how God has put the puzzle together for all of this. And I wanted to start this morning with really just kind of setting the stage for that. That 
this is what ministry looks like 58 years of faithfulness, right? And this is the legacy that we're talking about this morning, this idea of legacy. Um, and I want to kind of switch gears here, and this is one of the reasons why I have all of us here on stage is, you know, you've got someone like Maynard sitting here, and then just right here to his right is Dalton. Young, young Dalton. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> You, you really, before you were active in ministry, you were really a benefactor of the ministry here at Pleasant City Church. Talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so I started in Awana, and I got a little bit older, and I guess in Awana, I just I didn't have an open heart to Jesus. So a little bit after Awana, I kind of got into the party scene where I was going to parties and drinking and smoking. And then I met a friend of mine, Dennis Fender. He was a leader or intern at Warehouse, and he kind of got me more involved in the warehouse down there. And I kind of got a little bit closer to everybody down there with you and Dennis and all of them down there. But I was kind of living this double lifestyle where I was still going to these parties and coming to church just on Wednesdays and Sundays, and I just wasn't really connecting very well. So then shortly after that, I just stopped coming all together because I was thinking, oh, I'll just come to Jesus later on in life. You know, I, I got plenty of time. I'm young. You know, I can live this lifestyle and come back later and come to Jesus then. Like, you know, he forgives everybody. So I just stopped coming all together. And then I ended up going to Beach House 2017. And Heather, Katie's mom, was there. And she told me that you you have so much more potential that you're wasting because you're a natural leader. You're just leading people the wrong direction. So I went home after that beach house, and I just really thought about it. I was like, wow, I really could be leading people in a better direction other than down the wrong path. So that just really sat with me, and then I just reached back out to her because it's actually funny. She put her contact in my phone as Heather contact any time. It's still that to this day. And so I, I reached out to her, and we just started being friends. I was actually friends with Heather before I was friends with Katie. <laughs> All part of the plan. <laughs> so we, uh, we started just talking, and she was like, you, just, you could be so much better. So I just kind of dove headfirst into being the most godly man I could be at that time with a lot of supporting cast around me, and that's just something that I'm very grateful for at Warehouse because they kind of built me up, and I just – I served down there at Warehouse with Katie because I want to be that example for other people. That people were that example for me, so I just want to, in turn, be that for other people. Amen. And all of this is happening in the context of ministry here at Pleasant City Church. The idea of what's happening within the walls. I want to talk for just a minute to you guys uh, because really what God has really placed in your heart for you and your family is not just ministry here. You're very active in ministry here but also this idea of mission, this idea of what happens outside of the walls. Tell me a little bit, uh, Alexis, tell me a little bit about how you guys have uh, really tried to take this vision for God and the nations. How, how have you done, discipled that with your children? Yeah, so I think that um, we've really started to work on our kids when they were younger. Um, Kevin and I, were, we've been in ministry here at the church since 2008, but we really wanted our kids to realize that Ministry and mission isn't just the one week, two weeks that you may be out on the field in another country, but that you can start locally. And um, so we started uh, just really instilling that from the very beginning when we would uh, serve down in the warehouse. We'd bring our kids along and show them what that looked like. And then um, when they kind of aged out of the children's ministry for vacation Bible school, 
you know, when the signups came along for volunteers, we that wasn't an option their first year out of there. You know, you're going to serve in vacation Bible school. That's where you're going to be. And now it's turned really my middle child um, hasn't had the opportunity yet to go overseas, but um, her heart just to watch her desire to serve in the nursery and uh, love on those preschoolers there um, to then uh, disciple my oldest um, to Africa, her first trip there. So uh, it's not always easy. In this picture, Lucy is terrified of birds. Now, I as a mom think that's a crazy fear, but it's a legit, like, legit fear. And in this picture, you see her praying through a very intense moment. So we're on a boat in hippo-infested water, and in this boat is a live duck that got given to us by the villagers that we were there. And she literally stopped and was like, Mom, I'm not getting back on that boat to go back across. And I'm like, well, we're on an island in Africa. You really don't have a choice at this point. <laughs> and so we put her, and, you know, um, the, I, I mean, it was hard for a mom to see your kid just, I mean, she was shaking. She was terrified. And for me to stand there and say, you know what, God cares more about getting his name to these other countries than the safety of my child. And that was a really, like, eye-opening experience. So we put her on the boat, much to her dismay. She did make it across, and she is alive and well, um, still fearful. But, you know, it's not for our safety. But in the next picture, you see her doing exactly what we want our children to do, which is um, sharing his love with kids across all nations no matter where they are and so um, we're just really trying to and have our kids be brought up in that that your ministry can start here and then global and there's a verse that um, just really when I started um, when or when the Lord really started working uh, in my life it was first chronicles 16 24 and it says declare his glory among the nations his wonderful works among all peoples and it was just something that really touched like all people, you know, people, people poured into me uh, in ministry and through ministry locally that allowed me to then pour into local ministry here to then hopefully reach nations. And um, that one, and then one that we, uh, I had it marked. Uh-oh. Keep going. It's marked. I was prepared, Jonathan. Uh-huh. Uh, but is. There it is. First John, or third John 1 um, says, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I think that that's kind of where Kevin and I are now is just watching Caitlin desire and seeing the desire to serve just grow in her and then Lucy's heart for missions and then just our prayers that little Abigail will follow suit. You know, Kevin, you handle the finances for your family and, you know, for your vision as a family to be on mission, to go overseas, to do mission trips, that costs money. So when you see that advertisement and you see that price tag there, uh, what keeps you from going into the fetal position knowing that you're, that you're going to try to make that happen for your family? You know, with, with three daughters in the house and a wife who I love dearly, money is a fluid situation. It's, <laughs> it's in and out. 
and you just kind of hold on to it and try to keep a little and then let it go and then just keep. So we really do. We, when we have the opportunity to go on a short-term mission trip, whether it's domestic or international, you know, if, if there's prayer behind that initially and God's like, yes, go, we want you to go. Our desire is to go. So when those things align, okay, great. Let's grab a 20 here, a hundred here, whatever we can do. Um, that's the step one. Step two is to invite others to join us in that process. And so we'll send out uh, support letters and we'll beg, borrow, plead, and, you know, invite others to join us in that mission trip financially. And that's been a blessing because I feel that when someone gives money to that cause that they're, they're going with, you know, there's a portion of them that is in prayer over that trip, that is concerned for that trip and has invested some of their finances to make that trip a success. And so we do that. Um, we step out on faith, frankly. We just say, God, our heart is here. You have aligned our hearts to that. You have given us that calling. Others have helped supported us, and we need a little more, okay? We're going to write this check out of our own pocket, not knowing if it's going to clear sometimes, not knowing if it's going to hurt us in the future by not having that little bit of money, you know, when we need to pay the next bill. And um, I've got an example of this and how it kind of, frankly, hurts the last time I had an opportunity to go to Nepal. The, it, it came quickly, so we had not really saved and prepared to spend money on a mission trip at that time period. And I didn't want to go. I was very apprehensive. And the devil is working in my heart there trying to build a wall between what I know is God's calling on my life and for our family and the example that we're trying to give to our children and uh, it, it, it hurt. And I told Alexis, I don't think I'm going to go to Nepal this year. And she said, that's crazy. Here, Of course you're going to Nepal this year. You want to be there. I said, I know I want to be there, but I don't think we should go. I don't think we can afford to pay for it. And I just wasn't feeling right about asking people to help, you know. Um, she had a frank conversation with me and said, that's not the way we do business. And you're going to go. And we're going to ask, and God's going to provide. And if he doesn't provide, then you don't have to go. But you're just not going to make that decision on the front end to just not go. I spoke with my boss at Safety Test. Uh, I was new to a position there, and I didn't have the vacation time. And I, I asked him, I said, hey, I'm, I'm asking you, can I take this time off without pay? Um, and he said, sure, you could, but you don't have to. Um, he paid me for the week when he didn't have to. And... Uh, you know, these little blessings aligned, and us heeding the call to go, it was the best Nepal trip. It was the fifth time, yeah, fifth time I've been, and it was the best trip we'd ever had. Um, small team, great experience, and I think the work that we were able to do in that 10-day window, we're still seeing the reward and reaping that God is cultivating that land more and more. Um, and not because we were there, but we were a part of that process. And so it's, it was pretty amazing just to be willing and answer that call to go. You know, so you guys are talking what you're doing with your kids. Maynard, I want to talk for a minute to you. You know, Aaliyah is right here leading worship. Um, I'd like for you to just for a minute, we only have a few minutes on this question, but how has God used your 58 years of ministry here uh, to impact Aaliyah and in serving an active ministry as well. Okay, uh, I'd like to get through this without crying. <laughs> I, I, uh, 
when Jonathan asked me to do it, I told him I'd agree on, on, on one condition, that he'd pray for me that I wouldn't cry, and I don't think he did. <laughs> so, so I'm going to try to get through this. Uh, at home, I'm the vocal leader. I claim that. I got that. But Deanna's our spiritual leader, and, and she's the spiritual leader for, for Aaliyah. Deanna told me the other day, said she was in her place praying, and Leah came by and said, Now I want to sit down and pray with you. That's quite a testimony. Uh, I, I, I said last week in, in devotion if Jesus came into your house one morning, how different would it be? When you went to get your spouse up, would you say, Hey, when you get ready to get up, be careful, Jesus is in the other room. Deanna doesn't have to worry about that. When Deanna gets up, she's got a special place she goes, and, and we don't have to worry about a surprise visit from Jesus. He's sitting there waiting on her every morning. He's waiting for her to get there. She is such a spiritual leader. Uh, she's somewhat in the way of a story I read. Uh, this this woman had uh, raised four sons, and in her older years, she went to the pastor and said, I'm afraid I haven't done enough for the Lord. You know, I, I didn't teach a connection class. I wasn't on the mission committee. I didn't do a lot of things that people see. And the pastor told her, said, uh, how about those four sons you raised? Three of them are missionaries, and one of them is a, a teacher in a Baptist college. How many people do you, how many lives do you think you've influenced over raising your kids in the way they ought to be? And that, that's the type of person Deanna is. She's our spiritual leader. Yeah, that's good. And I love it because the discipling is not just happening here at church. It's happening in the home for ministry and mission. Uh, Dalton, you, we talked just a minute ago. You, you became a believer in Christ, and you really did. You jumped headlong into ministry as a young man, as a single and both of you served as interns, both served uh, active in ministry as singles. And there's singles in the room right now, and there's singles going to be in the next gathering that don't have a family, don't have, you know, like, like kids or children. Um, what would you say to them? You know, how have you guys served as singles? How's God used that in your life? Yeah, when I think about this idea of serving and ministering as a single, I think about this picture that we talk about in Warehouse, and Jonathan introduced this picture when I was a student, and I think they're going to throw up a graphic on the screen, and it's this love triangle idea, and on a triangle, there's three points, so you have a woman on this bottom point, a man on this bottom point, and the idea is that as each of them are pursuing and running after God, they're moving closer towards each other. So the idea is that put your soul focus and energy into pursuing God and doing what he's calling you to do, and that's when you bump into your future spouse. And I heard that when I was a student, and I really thought, yeah, I'm going to do that. But I think I went into it with this mindset of I'm going to split my energy. I'm going to give half of it to serving and half of it to looking for a husband. And when I switched my mindset and was just solely focusing on serving and ministering, and Dalton was doing the same, we just like bumped into each other 
and we were like, hey, I like what you're doing for the kingdom, and you like what I'm doing for the kingdom. Let's do it together, and let's get married. And so it was like, <laughs> that, that's like our love story. And yeah, it is. And it's really cool because then you kind of build this foundation for your relationship and for your marriage on what initially attracted us to each other was the other person serving. And so it's, it wasn't like worldly things that attracted us. It was the serving and it was uh, ministering. So I think that's really cool to kind of lay the foundation for your, for your marriage and for your family. Dalton, you have a great one-liner, and I think you heard it from our student pastor, Christian. Yeah, I did. Um, it's every young person is concerned with playing the field, but God calls us to work the field. So that just means work towards the kingdom of God instead of playing the field, trying to find your future spouse to do it together. Just do it by yourself at first, and you will. Uh, someone will notice what you're doing, and then they'll be more attracted to you. You know, we, we don't have time for all of our questions. Um, I want to kind of get to the last little part here, um, and I want to give plenty of time for this. Kevin Alexis, um, this vision that you have for your family, um, it, it's definitely something that's had to go beyond. You just said it, Alexis. It goes beyond just um, the one week in Africa, right, um, or the one week serving at VBS, you know. How does this vision extend beyond that, like from, from a one-week deal or a two-week deal to, um, to what God's doing every day? And you both feel free to talk about this. So uh, we, we sponsor two compassion children. Uh, one of them is Lucy's and one is ours, kind of. Um, and so there's a financial component there, and then there's a whole lot of prayer and, and discussion related to those kids. Um, we annually do the shoe boxes, and um, I don't know, have the girls had the chance to go pack these yet? I don't think so, but one day we want to get them to the uh, center where they process the shoe boxes. Um, we communicate, write to, pray for all of our missionaries, and there's some photos there in our house. Um, so Annie, uh, Callie, uh, Abraham and Kamala are up there. So we've got missionaries that the church supports that are on our walls, and there's a dedicated and an effort made and intentionality made to keep those in our conversations in our, in our home. And I think, too, just um, reminding our girls and showing them that um, there's so many opportunities here, too. And, and, yes, the international missions is definitely where our heart is, but, you know, starting local and um, allowing, like Lucy's done, the dental clinic um, here and teaching our kids that really – you know, you're on mission every day, and your mission field is right where the Lord has you at every moment. So your school, um, the dance studio, which we spend a ton of time at, the softball field, um, all of those places, are we allow our, our kids time there to, um, to be on mission and um, to make sure that they're able to share their stories um, with whoever they come in contact in their daily lives and just encouraging them to use those opportunities um, and not to miss out. So, yeah. Katie and Dalton, you guys have been married six months now. Uh, you talked a little bit about serving uh, as singles, uh, but now that you're six months in, I know we talked a little bit about just the hopes and the dreams that you have for your family, like where that's headed and what God's doing in your family unit now, you two together. Um, but what are the hopes, what are the dreams that you guys are looking forward to pursue in your family? Yeah, I, you know, since we're six months in, we just kind of got out of the, like the premarital 
counseling and conversations. So we've had a lot of conversations about like hopes and dreams for our family and for our future children one day. And not trying to like gain any brownie points by bragging on my parents, but really me and Dalton have decided that together we really want to model this family ideal that my parents have shown us. And you know, my parents instilled really young that serving is a good thing to do and that we're gonna do that together. And it's really amazing for me and Dalton to both walk on campus on Sunday mornings and even on Wednesday nights at Warehouse and see my siblings and my parents serving. You know, but my brothers are both still students, but me and my sister and my parents and Dalton are all leaders in Warehouse and that's such a special thing to share all together. And me and Dalton have really talked about that's exactly what we want for our family and for our children one day. And we have a verse that sticks out. Um, it's Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So we don't have any children yet, but we hope to one day. And that's kind of a verse that sits on our hearts, just the idea of kind of bringing that home and instilling that in our children's hearts and living that out in our lives. Yeah, that's good. Maynard, our last question, I wanted to kind of come to you and you're, you're an older gentleman uh, in, our, in our church and your grandparent definitely, uh, you know, uh, on the way to empty nesting. And, and really, you know, I think for a lot of grandparents, a lot of older folks, there is, there's, there's regret of missed opportunities at times and, and things you did right and things you wish you could go back and change. But what would you say to the person out here that's your age as well? that's maybe an empty nester or maybe grown kids, you know, Leah's pretty much grown now. Um, what would you say to them about what it means to lead and serve in the, in the church? You know, how, do, how can they continue that, you know, leave that legacy? I, I would say don't quit. I've seen, I've seen people, and you probably have too, I've seen people when they retired, they felt like that was a good time to quit working in church also. But that's not true. That's that's when you really should have wisdom to teach people. Uh, I thought about uh, not serving as deacon this last election, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to quit. I, I I want to finish. Uh, I I enjoy seeing young men raised up as leaders in the church. I like to do that. Uh, I, I've got a couple of scriptures I'd like to read. And, and Jonathan said, no phones on the stage. So since he didn't pray for me, I, <laughs> I'm going to do this. And I also want to show the, the younger generation that I could. I, I, I practice this at home. Uh, one, one scripture I'd like to read is Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the tasks the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And then I want to read another one. And the reason I've got this phone is uh, my Bible is King James, and Deanna's the NIV, and, and I like the NIV better, but I didn't, I didn't want to steal her Bible to come up here. <laughs> this one is... Uh, Isaiah 46, 4, and, and Deanna gave me this verse. This is really powerful. Listen to it. Even to your old age and gray hair, 
I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. That's what I try to live by at an older age. I, I want to finish well. When I get in front of, in front of Jesus, I, I want to hear him say, well done. You know, one of the things that you said, Maynard, and uh, you didn't mention it here, but I want to say it because it's so good. We were talking, and he said, you know, Jonathan, I've had the opportunity to be a part of all different kinds of projects here at the church. And he said, but the greatest thing that I could ever do for our church is invest in people. And uh, I love that, that, that someone who is all about projects here at the church cared more about the people and the investment made there. And you are. You're raising up, uh, not just Aaliyah, you are raising up many leaders right here in our church, men in our church, uh, to really one day uh, step into those shoes, Maynard. And, uh, and we're thankful for that, man. We're thankful that you have uh, put this legacy out there for us to follow that example. And so wherever you find yourself today, whether you find yourself uh, where Maynard's at, uh, towards, the, towards uh, finishing well, uh, whether you find yourself where Kevin and Alexis are at, right in the thick of it with children, both students and younger kids in the home and what God's vision for your family needs to be, or whether you're just starting out, or maybe you're still single, maybe you're still at that point, and maybe you plan to stay there. It doesn't matter. What matters is this. What kind of legacy are you leaving the next generation to come? Are you on mission Will people see that in your lives and be inspired to be on mission themselves? Would they be inspired to serve and be in ministry here in the local church? This is what we want for you today. And so I want to just say thank you guys so much for being up here. Thank you for sharing. We realize that this isn't about uh, your glory, right? It's about sharing our failures, but also sharing God's victory in the midst of that. And we want to just mention right there in your handout, there's some resources there that we'd love for you to take, take a look at. Maybe that'll help you along this journey about leaving a legacy of mission and ministry. Uh, but we just want to take a moment just to pray together uh, before we go. God, we thank you, Lord, for this moment we have together. Lord, we thank you for the testimony of what you're doing in the lives of families here in the church. And God, I pray, Lord, that what's been shared today would not be a burden to people, Lord God, but that, Lord, you would use it to challenge us, that you would use this to encourage us, Father, to motivate us, Lord, to, to realize that our race has not been finished yet, Lord, that if we're here today, God, if we're alive, if we're breathing, God, we still have a mission to fulfill. We still have a ministry to do, Father. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that we would be active in these things, God, that we would not only be active in our own heart and our own strength, Lord, but God, also through your spirit, Lord, we would motivate our children, motivate the generation coming behind us to have a love for the church and a love for people outside of the church. God, that your glory would go to all the places of this earth. Lord, we love you and we thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for coming this morning. You're dismissed.